the Fail On Podcast, episode 012. I think like a fundamental thing when it comes to relationships, partnerships, even teams, is respect. And in respect, not just for where the other person's coming from, but also their skill set. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. Hey there, and welcome to the show that believes you are destined for more and that failing your way to an inspired life is the only way to get there. Today, we have got a crazy, crazy episode from inside a Jeep in the Bahamas with three rotating guests. So we've got UJ Ramdas, co-founder of Intelligent Change and the co-creator of the Productivity Planner and the hugely popular 5-Minute Journal. We've got Chris Plow, who you became familiar with in the previous episode. Chris built, ran, and sold an eight-figure global consulting and hosting company. And we also have Jason Gaynard, who you heard from in episode 001. Jason's the founder of Mastermind Talks and the author of Mastermind Dinners. So the first half of the episode will be myself, Chris, and UJ. And then Jason will join us for the last half of the show. But we discuss why it's crucial to always be looking for ways to get uncomfortable whether it's better to go solo in business or find a partner, how to figure out your strengths and improve your self-awareness, and how to properly build a team. But first, if you'd like to stay up to date on all the Failon podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest, simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. That's failon.com. And just as an aside, the episode gets cut short and very abruptly around the 45-minute mark due to an ultimate power outage. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Fail On Podcast. We are in a beat up Jeep <laughs> driven by Jason Gaynard here in the Bahamas. <laughs> We've got UJ Ramdas who can't stop laughing. We have Chris Plow also on the headsets. I'm guys. the only professional here, I think. <laughs> you guys are a wreck. We're doing the first ever podcast on the road in the Bahamas on the island called Eleuthera. And it's going to be a fun time. So I'll introduce my friend, oh, yeah. UJ. So UJ is one of the most systematic people I know at hacking productivity, getting to the center of the world, and slowly, slowly, this robotic man is gaining empathy and a soul. And I am proud to be on that journey with him. <laughs> Just looking at him. All right. <laughs> Fantastic okay. intro. That was unexpected and interesting. <laughs> I do not know how to process this. UJ, how would you? How would you? Would you agree with that? Or I think that's a. It's an interesting kind of take on a side of my personality. <laughs> <laughs> what would you? What would your take be? What would your take be? I'd say I'm a. I'm a human being having experiences through time and space <laughs> that that are evolving over time. <laughs> I'm trying to, 
No, I'm trying to process that. <laughs> 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 journaling. So UJ was helped to create both a Productivity Journal, the five-minute journal, as well as other products. And he is... Productivity Planner, but I appreciate you. Productivity Planner. Yeah. I do apologize. Yes. I am a user. I just apparently don't know the title. Well, you use the knockoffs. <laughs> I do. Uh, only, well... <laughs> only on the Android. Only on the Android. The, the real thing is coming. But he is. He's, he's incredibly good, though, at, at taking a look at systems at life, breaking them down, understanding them in a much more granular level, and then using that to help people forward. And so if I were to think about UJ, absolutely a life hacker, absolutely a productivity and focus hacker, definitely a student of life. We're also very, like, we have about a 15% chance of dying on this, well, on this car ride. <laughs> may simply be for us. <laughs> this is an experience for us. Uh, so you've had several conversations with people about this whole, like, move faster, begin, rather than being paralyzed with fear. Yeah. Do you feel that you've achieved some nuggets for either you or for the audience that have, could really shift things? I'm curious. So what have you found along the journey? Is there anything that's really resonated with you where you're like, damn, that is awesome. That's really made a difference? Yeah. Or is this a continuing journey? I think it actually boils down to a really simple thing. Everybody said it a different way, but it all comes back to the same thing, which is, you know, you're never going to have the perfect idea. It doesn't exist. So just get started, take action, start moving. And then as you get going, doors open, you start to see a through line of what's working, what's not working. And, and also you get to see what you actually like doing, what you're passionate about. I don't really like that word passion just because it's it's so overused, I think. And it's more about, is there an actual need versus cares what you're passionate about if, if it doesn't solve anything for somebody else? This is advice that we've all heard many, many times in our lives, and yet we still get paralyzed, yeah. right? From your experience, because you've obviously moved forward with this podcast, right? right, right. After yeah, potentially a period, and I don't know, but a period yep. of, of fear deciding whether you should. Totally, totally. What is that inflection point? What's that point of tipping that allowed you to move forward regardless of having heard this advice before? Yeah, I mean, even even Jason was like, dude, you're doing like a business interview podcast, interviewing guests, talking about business and starting up and all that. And I'm like, yeah, man, there's a lot already out there, right? But at the same time, it's something that it's something that I find really interesting and it's something that I don't think anybody's really talking about specifically the idea of embracing failure and leaning into it because all of these podcasts, you know, most it's mostly guys that are promoting their books. It's mostly people looking for promotion, which is which is fine, right? But at the end of the day, I'd rather dig into the really tough struggles, not the wins and the glitz and the glamour and how beautiful your life is now, but talking back to when you're sleeping on a couch or when you had less than $100 in your bank account. You know, I think that's the stuff people really gain the most information out of when you're hearing, Chris, you've been an entrepreneur for more than a decade, right? Yeah. So for you, not for you specifically, but for a lot of people that have been in business for a long time, it's really hard for them to go back to the beginning where they were stuck and paralyzed by fear. So I think taking it back and digging into that area is what's most useful for the listener in terms of if it's somebody that doesn't have a business, but it's just getting started. Yeah, 100%. I think that, that this is a podcast, this is a, a voice, this is everything else is unique and something that needs to be out there. So I encourage you and applaud you for doing it. But uh, just a slightly more personal question, if you don't mind, yeah. which is when did that knowledge of, I know I need to move forward. I know that, that, that it's about movement, that it's about creating for others. What was that moment for you where you overcame the fear? How did that knowledge sink deeper into action? What was that for you? Sure. I guess I was in a fortunate circumstance where 
I had some resources. I've had successful businesses. So I, I could take the time and actually let things digest and let things settle and figure out which direction I wanted to go, which I don't know if that's good or or if that's bad because I usually work my best when I burn the ships and there's a there's a serious fire coming towards me and I have to I have to move. So I, I do better with the pressure in a sense versus having time to think and plan and analyze what my next step is. So for me, it was... So just a little, a little bit more context. So I'm coming out of an advertising business that was heavily, that was a heavy cash flow business, but not really a tangible asset that I could sell. And it was very reliant on myself and my partner at the time to generate the revenue and profit. For me, it was really hard to step out of a business that was making money and move towards something else, even though I knew it was the right thing to do. For me, it was kind of burning the ships in that aspect of I'm turning away money on this side and stepping into something that I that I care more about, which is helping people like Jason. He's over here. <laughs> He's laughing because we're in a piece of crap car and we've got a thousand dollars worth of podcast equipment in here. And no his, way to lock it up. The, yeah, the car doesn't lock and the window's permanently down. So hopefully it doesn't rain and hopefully there's nobody looking for to start a podcast in the Bahamas. Oh, we can, look, we can just lock it. Some of it here in the glove box. The glove box locks. So what you shared there. I mean, yeah. our journeys are incredibly similar, sure. right? In that I think that the one of the most dangerous points for an entrepreneur, and you, Jay, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is when you hit that point of comfort. Because that point of comfort makes it harder to make a decision versus a point of pain or even desperation forces action, right? Or a point when everything's in flow. So think the opposite. Everything's in flow and you can't help but act because it's just a point of flow. Mm. Those two, I think, are the much easier places to be. But when you hit a point of comfort, it's hard to walk away from that because you have security, which is a human basic need. And once you have that, it's like, why would you ever move yourself out of that comfort zone? But we know to grow that it has to happen, right? So I, I applaud the the action without a doubt. And I think that uh, it, there's often a misconception that you've made it, quote unquote. That's one of the most dangerous places to be for somebody yep. who's committed to growth, to entrepreneurship, to everything else. Yep. My thoughts. I'm curious how you guys feel about that. Yeah. So this whole made it thing is, is very based on comparison. So made it compared to maybe somebody who's an earning average income in the country we're in, for example. And, and so the human mind can't stay without comparison. I think that's a, that's a fundamental law or need. And so I just like to set my sights higher. I just like to look at people who've, who I really admire, who really, really inspire me from what they've done. And I also look for people, I think it's a really important concept, who share my natural style. So, for example, kind of you mentioned, Rob, that your natural style is like you like to burn the bridge, burn the ships, and take action. Prefer not to like plan, analyze, yeah. and look ahead. I'm the opposite. Actually, so I like to burn the bridges, but I also like to plan to me, what I, what I like is I like to have enough time to so I can I can map everything out and deploy things as they need. But the point I'm trying to make is like having a certain level of discomfort or I guess stretch points are really really important in life. One way to do it is to it's always ha- have kind of as I mentioned to have your sights up to, to someone that you admire who's done way more than you have and so it just keeps you in check and the other one is I just like to pepper my schedule with things that I know are going to make me feel uncomfortable and, and help me learn a lot like, have, like what kind of stuff out of curiosity for example like right now one of the things that I frankly know nothing about or very little about is investing I'm understanding how to deploy these resources and I have, I have a good friend who who's very 
good at understanding that and knowing that and doing that. And that's his, that's his work. And every two weeks, we'll sit down and we'll do like a four or five hour session and diving deeper into the fundamentals of how he does what he does. Got it. And so that's an example. Also, like to, to meet people who've done something in the industry that is, that's completely different from my own. And so something I, I love doing is, is, is diving like in deep into anything, whether it be myself, if I'm diving into product or if I'm learning from somebody or I'm teaching somebody. And again, to go deep any time, and I feel like three to five hour stretches is plenty of time to to get a nice deep learning session in. Mm. Does that answer your question somewhat, Chris? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Gives context of, of slightly different views upon this, right? Yeah. So I think that the commonality here that you just expressed is that we all look for a plan A, and we try to do that. You tend to be a bit more strategic yeah. than, than some people are. Yeah. I believe I tend to be a bit of a first start, so I jump in and try to learn along the way, yeah. right? Rob, my sense is that you're somewhere in the middle, though I could be a little wrong in that because we're just getting to know each other's stories. No. He's playing paparazzi and taking pictures of, of so, each of sorry, us. Sorry, I was taking pictures so we could everybody could have some context to what the visual is right now. <laughs> Jason's eating an apple. Chris is wearing some pink flowery sunglasses. And Who's my daughter's sunglasses? <laughs> <laughs> Jason said they're Ava, his daughter's sunglasses. And Chris's gigantic head's probably going to snap him. A gigantic head. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually kind of fun. Sorry, Chris, reframe that question again to me. No, no, well, it wasn't not. a question. It was an observation. Oh. He's more, significantly more strategic than I am. Hey, I'm James. a bit of a, a first start, jump in and learn along the way. I prefer that. My sense of you is being somewhere in the middle. Well, I would say so. My Colby is like, my quick start's very, very high. What's yeah. your Colby? Uh, I don't remember all of the categories, but I just remember my quick start was super high. It's, and it's actually funny because my former partner and I, in the last business, it was an interesting partnership because we had literally the exact same Colby score. Oh, wow. Which obviously is not yeah, an not ideal idea. situation, right? Because we have the same strengths. We didn't complement each other at all, which was, you know, I love I love him as a person. We just had the same skill set, but it wasn't going to work in the long term as a partnership. So I'm happy to I'm happy to be starting kind of fresh on my own. And, and I know I need a really good systems and processes type operational person in the future. So that was a, it was a really good lesson learned. So uh, if you don't mind, I'm a slightly different line of, of question because I think this is relevant to everybody here. We had a conversation before this about partners or no partners. Yeah. Right? And I know that UJ has worked very well with a particular partner in Intelligent Change. Mm-hmm. Right? So I guess starting with UJ, what are your thoughts on solo endeavors versus having a partner in, in business? Well, partner is just like anything else. Like you got to pick them well. And like it's it's especially if it's a long term business, it's something that like for example, intelligent change is something that we realize we don't want to sell it. Yeah. It's a company we want to build long term. It's something that you want to you want to know that you cover a couple couple things. Kind of Rob mentioned this complementary skill sets, which is really important. If you have similar skill sets and similar modes of action, which is what Colby tests for. Then it's it's not ideal because you're both doing the same things. So there's no diversification. Right. And then the other thing is you know core core need is sharing the same vision mm. and having the same values like the the hardest conversations that Alex and I have are, are the conversations about vision and values it's about where do we see this does this line up with what we believe and how quickly can we make it happen right. so it's the it's the do we align on the same vision like the, the specific day to day decisions like there's there's almost very little friction on that the medium term this is, this is a bit of friction because sometimes I think some, we need to prioritize one thing over another but as long as you're having fun and you believe you're building something great you you're willing to have the hard conversations. It's kind of like a, like I've never been married, but it's kind of like a marriage. You sign up for something in the long term and, and then you just believe the best in the other person. 
and you keep reiterating what's important to you and you keep trying to understand the other person and take from there. In terms of, like, I definitely know in my life, I'm going to have not just one, but many partnerships in businesses and I have such extreme strengths and weaknesses. Pretty good at a few things. I'm really bad at a lot of things. And I need to have people around me that control for those weaknesses. And so I'm going to work in teams in companies. I'm going to have, have tons of teams, and definitely a bunch of partners, because as long as you're aligned, I feel like I have a, I have a decent handle on it and I want to create a bunch of cool stuff in the world. That's where I'm at. In terms of solo, I don't know. It would be cool to do stuff, do stuff, but I don't have tons of experience with it, to be honest. Right. So I can't really comment. Yeah, fair. Chris, I know you are into ventures right now with a couple partners. Tell us how that looks. Do you guys complement each other? What's what's everybody bringing to the table that makes that work? Yeah, so just to take a step back, similarly, my last business was involved with a partner. Amazing guy as far as trust and our ability to complement each other on, on work and skill set. But the point at which it became difficult was the point of exit. We had just different needs, both financially and lifestyle-wise, and and thoughts about where we were going. And so when we got to that point of exit where I realized that this is no longer the path for me, and instead of just stepping away and allowing him to control, I wanted fully out, right? That was incredibly difficult. To his credit, and to the credit of our relationship, we made it through. Are still friends. There's a lot there. But there were incredible number of difficult conversations along the way, because his need and desire was to have a business and to be in this one business for you know as long as he could foresee. My need and desire was I've learned everything I can from here. I love the business, but my meaning and purpose is elsewhere and I need to get to that place. Sure. And so kind of coming to those conversations, like you, Jay, said earlier in the process to say not only what are our values and make sure that those are aligned, what does our life look like as far as we can foretell now yeah. and how do these things align so that, so that those conversations don't happen at a critical point. They happen well before you get to a critical point. Right. Hugely important. That's a really good point. Something that Chris mentioned that I did mention was I'm constantly asking like what is the ideal like in an ideal world with no constraints what is our day-to-day involvement in the business what is what what's important to me what's important to him because once you can can dial that in and we're we're really focused on what we want you can it's amazing. Ray Dalio is a really great book called Principles where he talks about this. Like as long as you know what you want and you know what other people want, you can arrange the business system in whatever way you need in order to get the output that you want. Of course, that's going to take work and time and effort, but you know it's going to work out because it's aligned with the fundamental drivers of your lives. And that's a really, really important point, even if you're building a solo business, is, is dialing in really keenly to what you want. A lot of people get what they want and realize, oh shit, that's not really what I wanted. Yeah. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. It's terrifying because like you could you could lose years of your life to something yeah. that you think you're getting and then you get it and you're like, ouch. I I've kind of used that fear in a certain way to to test, okay, like do I really want this or am I just bullshitting myself? Because I think, uh, I don't know who it was. There's a really good, great quote. I think it's Richard Feynman, but I could be wrong. It says, it's really, like, it's important not to fool yourself, and you are the most important person to fool. Mm-hmm. I like to try not to fool myself as much as possible. Yep. kind of really ties into what Chris is doing right now in terms of taking entrepreneurs and equipping them, taking them from a place where they're focused on kind of the financial success aspect and then moving them directly for that to be in fulfillment to actually being fulfilled with what they want in life. Chris, I'd love you to talk a bit about that. I know we've talked about it in the past. Yeah, yeah, and it ties directly into this conversation, right? So as UJ says, the more you know about what it is that drives you, what it is that is your path, what are your needs and desires, not just 
mentally, but like what's driving you to a deeper level, the more you can share that with somebody else. So right in the context of a partnership, you can be very clear about here are the things that, that drive me. Here are the things that, that I need and want out of my life. Here are my fears as well. Like imagine being able to step into any relationship, romantic, friendship, or business and say, here are my triggers. Here are my fears. And these are how, you know, the, the areas in life that when they happen, I may not be my best self, right? And give people forewarning on that. So I think that having that core knowing knowledge of yourself is critical. And then when you start to look at, at partnerships, having those conversations early on to not only share these, the directions, but I call it like, like laying out the business baggage. Yeah. You know, this is what has gone poorly for me in past relationships, business, and otherwise, this is what's gone really well and laying them out so that you not only have opened up and shared more of yourself, allowing the other person to do the same, Mm. but you have also then set a groundwork to say any future conversation can be this open, can be this vulnerable, which makes it so much easier to step into difficult conversations. And that's the, the businesses I'm starting now, aside from, you know, my own personal brand and story, that is a solo effort. Everything else I'm doing is a, a partner effort because the scale that I want to affect the world and I think that it's possible for us together to affect the world requires those partnerships and like UJ said there's incredibly complementary skill sets to help to make that happen totally right but it began with these conversations these conversations of you know what is my perfect day which is a exercise I learned from Jason Gaynard what are my core values and getting deeply into there which I learned from James Wallace what are the things that have gone right or wrong in my relationships before and how can we avoid that, which is something that I've just learned from experience and pulling that all together into the basis of any relationship and getting it out of the way immediately. If you want to change the world, can you do that on your own as a solo entrepreneur? Or do you have to and build a team around, build a team underneath you, a leadership team, et cetera, or is a partnership necessary? I believe it depends on what your focus is. If your focus is pure inspiration to share a story with the world, I think you can do that alone. Right. A single person's story can affect the world and inspire the world. What's important to me, though, is I love both the combination of form and function. So not only this beautiful form of inspiration, but the function of execution and making it happen. Mm -hmm. And for that to do be done effectively and at scale, I truly believe that partnerships are required. And so I embrace them to say, I want to share a beautiful story with the world and I want it to actually be executed upon for it to affect and for other people to take action, including myself. I can't see a way for a single person to embody all of that well. Except for Jason Gaynard to my left, who actually has... percent profits in his business, but yeah. he has no partners. Okay. And he's scaling but the let's world. Let's be fair. So you have zero oh, partnerships here, in any budget. business that you have going on? Zero partnerships. If I get divorced, I owe money. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. So what you're saying is is the man who is basing his reputation on networks <laughs> and networking so if, in case you believes that Jason, he can do it all alone. In case you couldn't hear Jason. <laughs> on the way on the way back on this trip from kayaking, we'll have we'll have a headset on Jason so yeah. he can get his two cents in because he's got a lot of a lot of stuff to say apparently. <laughs> without a, without a headset on, yeah, right. if you put the headset on, he shuts up. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, but there's there is a difference between control of company and partnerships because you can look at partnerships could be affiliates. They could be advocates of yours who help to take your message yeah. forward. Who have 
have no financial stake in your company. I look at the the term partnership uh, fairly broadly. Yeah, and sure. so you got to look at sure. what really works best for you. Right. In my personal brand, I will have zero partners that affect control. Got right. It. I want that to be completely under my control. Everything else for me, very open to partnerships, and I didn't expect that. As I walked away from the last business, I had told myself I'll never have a partner again. Not yeah. because my partner was bad, yeah. but because those conversations at the end were so difficult that I didn't want to have to go through that again. I'm, I'm right there with you. That's where, that's where I'm at right now. So maybe, you know, maybe that will evolve. I'm sure it will. But, you know. I think statistically you'll see a lot more large businesses start as partnerships. You'll also see, well, personal brands, obviously, as Chris mentioned, a personal brand can really make the, make a huge difference in the world. Sure. You look at you look at Daniel Pink, you look at Malcolm Gladwell, right? Yep. yep. That kind of thing. But beyond that, if you're actually looking at a business of sorts, right. a partnership is a pretty, yeah, statistically, it's a lot, lot more common than, than solo. And totally. even if it's solo, it's totally doable, very possible. It's just... It's harder. You've got to uh, surround yourself with the support faster. There's a really great African proverb I also learned from Jason. Jason's just which, knowledge yeah, bombs. He's, he's just dropping shit from all <laughs> over the place. He's raising um, the roof now, too. That's right. I didn't know people still did that. <laughs> <laughs> which is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go fast, go alone. Okay. If you want to go far, go together. I like that. I think that's as true as for geographical distances as for business durability all right we have arrived to our kayaking and snorkeling adventure just to close the session out uj what does failure mean to you failures data mm. failures data is it's and sometimes it's hard to get to the emotional and mental data that tells you what's actually going on and that's just the work that you need to do to get better like to me like any anything that that is everything in life is data that tells you whether you're moving towards what you want or away from what you want totally and so a lot of success is data right yeah it's just like it's information telling you okay this is what's going on and and then as humans we make a story around that that's something we can't help and that's something we can influence failure is a beast that you gotta wrestle I love it yeah. I love it Chris any any parting thoughts man I appreciate you taking the chance of doing a podcast in a very different way for sure right same like again like this this is what it's all about leaning into something that's different learning from it figuring out what works amazingly well what doesn't yep. and improving yep. right so you've embodied this process thanks man I really yeah. appreciate well, that we've got another 30 minutes Jason <laughs> <laughs> just we have another 30 minutes <laughs> what? Oh, oh. So we got to drive up river or up, 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 not this up river. <laughs> oh my God. God. At, le- at least this is working out for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rob was like, I, I was done with this experiment. Was, Thank you was, very much. That was my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> the Our, cool part is you can edit it out. No. Well, yeah, yeah. You want to, here, I want to put it on Jason? Yeah, no, we don't, no, 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 no. we don't edit anything. Are yeah, sure? Jason, yeah, Jason's Jason. getting on the horn. Jason, come on, man. All right, so we're going to, we're going to, you know you want we're going to do a little switcheroo. Get Jason Gaynard in the hot seat. Here, just hold this back there somewhere. There go, 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 go. All right, now for the Uh-oh. real knowledge bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Gaynard is on the line. All right, so Chris Plow's driving. That's Jason right. Gaynard's in Chris, the hot seat. Chris, you know seat. where you're going? He's just following him. Oh, perfect. They didn't tell us we had to, we, that was the plan? Well, no, I don't, I've never been to Current before, so for context for those listening, Current Bahamas. Well, Current is a part of Eleuthera, so I've never been there before. So I'm actually glad we're we're here and we're going together. So was a 360 photo. 
Chris Paul's taking 360 photos. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. I gotta see what it looks like when it's all said and done. Doesn't make sense. All right, everyone, ask me questions, and I will I will grant you knowledge bombs. Well, you've heard, <laughs> you've heard some of this conversation, so let's. What's your take? What's your take on man. failure? I actually, zoned out. Partnerships. It's incredibly boring. Life. I can tone your voice. Incredible. <laughs> what's your take on partnerships? I know you had a lot to say when you didn't have the headset head on. I always so. have a lot to say when I'm not in the limelight. <laughs> <laughs> When he's in the limelight, he just like shuts up. Exactly. Look, 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 look. Bask, bask he's in, he's in my awesomeness. For five seconds. Already. Yeah, no, no, he's no, he's stuck. He can't think. <laughs> so I know I'd never partner Chris, you with got, you. You got to take the headset away from him. That is for sure. <laughs> you got to take the headset away from Here, let me let, let me break it down for you. I've had two or three partnerships in my life. So we talk about like we talked about Colby, yeah, and yeah. like Quick Start, and yeah. I probably. I think I was like a 9. I'm certain I'm like a 11 out of 10 when it comes to quick start. I love starting things quickly, and I feel like talking to a partner about things just slows me down. Yeah. <laughs> I've had two – I've had like three partnerships, but really two, I guess, somewhat legitimate partnerships on some level. They were both very short-term, and they both failed really quickly, mm. which I'm, I'm very grateful for. <laughs> but then at the same time, there's a saying that the common feature of all your dissatisfying relationships is you – so to me, like the common feature of all my failed partnerships on some level, even though I've only had two, is me. I definitely take responsibility and potentially being part of the problem in those those partnerships. But what I mean, do you think I, was the problem? One, I went into them way too quick, like way, way too quick. Got and, married and, in Vegas and, kind of situation. And these happened like early, early on yeah. in my in my career. Yeah. I would definitely approach them way more methodically now. Like I know now one of my rules, and this may or may not be good. But one of my rules is that, like, I would never get into a partnership that could make me bankrupt on some level. Meaning that, like, I'm a, I, I don't like, I like cutting ties with things that take a lot of, like, if things don't go well, I want to be able to cut ties and walk away. Yeah. If I'm in a partnership, I wouldn't want to be in a partnership that's, like, the business is my whole livelihood. Right. Or I'm 100% invested in it. I would do partnerships that are smaller things and that if the partnership doesn't work out or we have a disagreement, it's easy for me to walk away and just continue to move on. Yep. That's one thing. But, I mean, to, to what UJ said, again, I move very quickly with businesses and ideas, and I like testing things and trying things and I haven't had like a the one thing about UJ again he's very methodical has like just harps on like the importance of vision and getting his his business partner on board with the vision and I totally understand like how that alignment would would ease things significantly but I've never I've that's never been my DNA historically yeah my sense is that you don't have patience for that kind of stuff no yeah. No, I rather just I'm long I, I'm long term thinking in a certain sense, but very short term thinking as well. As far as like I want to try things and see directions, and I don't want to be too married to the long term vision because actually, as Philip McKernan says, who's somebody on this trip with us, too often times we are we're busy chasing opportunities that we miss out on the possibilities, and I've learned that to be true. Like Cameron Harold's a great friend of ours. He has this vivid vision thing where you have to get clear on your vision for the next three years. Man, th- three years ago, I never thought I'd be where I am today by any stretch. Like I could not uh, imagine where I am. So we were talking about this offline, like the, the surrender experiment and that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's somewhat in alignment with that where, you know, you, you can't. It's, it's just so hard to, I guess, predict on some level where you want to go in the next three years. In today's day and age, especially because there's uh, opportunities are abundant technology is moving so quickly and those kind of things but I do see the value in it but I probably don't put as much value as other people on vision and a more I guess kind of go with the flow on, on to some extent does that make sense yeah totally because I mean even even with mastermind talks you're not you're not planning three five years out you're just taking it year by year right 
Yeah, we take them year by. I mean, the evolution of the the event, and that's the one thing. If we were married to a vision, Mastermind Talks is only like three years old. Our first event was 2013, and we're right. just that was May 2013. We're January or what? Not January, March 2017. You know, it hasn't been all that long ago. And initially, when we we started out, we wanted to be almost like the TED Talks of entrepreneurs, mm. and we'd have these 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 speakers, these world class speakers, compete for the best talk as voted by the audience. That was our model. And if I were to do a, a vivid vision based on that three years ago, man, we'd be in. I feel like sometimes vision could put blinders on you. But instead, like, I'm very good at, like, testing out a bunch of things and being very, like, every once in a while we have lucky breaks. And I'm very good at, at, at taking feedback, processing feedback, acting upon feedback, and figuring out when I have lucky breaks and how to leverage those. Yeah, I can attest to that. So, yeah, that's why I'm not a huge huge fan of vision on some of I am, one thing I am on the vision front, I will say, is to what Chris said, is getting clear on your perfect day. To me, that's been an incredibly impactful exercise that I try to hone every once in a while, and I got to do it again shortly. But the perfect day is basically, I guess the premise of it is that business at its core is to make money, and money at its core, you could say, is to is designed to perpetuate experiences in our day-to-day lives. Like, what do you want your, your life to look like is the next kind of natural question. So when you're clear on that, you can start building everything else around it, including your business and the vision of your business around that. Because when you're clear on your perfect day for me is you can start using that as a filter for all opportunities that come your way. And you can start asking yourself, is this taking you closer to your perfect day or is it taking you further away? And it drives a, drives a kind of clear line in the sand. And that doesn't change as much as like the things around you like businesses and business models and yeah. the people you serve and those kind of things. What is your perfect day? I'm actually really close to it now, surprisingly. Well, I mean, surprisingly, that was kind of part of the whole exercise. So the the perfect day, I guess the the one thing I, I screwed up initially was I designed like the the perfect day, and I was like, well, I'm not gonna live that perfect day every day. Like sometimes I want to do something different on a Tuesday or sure. those kind of things. So the I guess the newest iteration, which I'm actually hoping hopefully UJ and I could do it when we do our little escape in April where we go away for a couple of days, is to design a perfect day. But it was almost like I'm in conversation with myself three years from now, and it's more like this is what my perfect day looks like. But you know, in January I'm going on vacation, and on Saturdays I do jujitsu sure. and those kind of things because I didn't have that initially. But you know, really at its core, it's, it really revolves around relationships. It revolves around certain kind of healthy habits like working out and those kind of things. It revolves around having space and simplicity in my life. It also where I live, not being like there's a specific type of place I want to live. And oddly enough, we live there pretty much now. There's a few changes I would make, but where I'm, I'm so close. Like the, the power of the perfect day to me, I'm not like this huge like secret guy or anything, yeah. but I think like setting the, these things unconsciously and just kind of letting go of them, they really, I mean, you, you start to make these small micro decisions that lead you in that direction. Great example is one of the things in my perfect day, which I originally wrote in 2012, was to have my own, so I had this picture of this house, but I had this almost like biohacking barn in the backyard where I could do like ice baths mm. and have my own space, yeah. basically. I have a, a wife and a four-year-old, well, five-year-old daughter now. I still remember like the, the exact time you told me about the biohacking barn. And it was at, at Spoke Club in the screening room, <laughs> and you were like, you were, you were talking to me about it. I'm like, dude, dude, this sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah. So the vision was to have, it was like yeah, three years ago about. Yeah, the vision yeah. was to have a, a house and then like a, a barn where I could kind of work out of and do like just have my own space. Mm. And then about a year and a half, and then I just wrote it down on my perfect day, I put it away. And then two, about probably about a year and a half later, I had a co-working space, and the, they were trying to jack up my rent and charge me for parking, which was going to be like taking me over like four or five hundred dollars what I was paying 
working before, and I'm like, at the rate I'm paying for this stupid co-working space, I can get a loft. So I ended up getting a loft to work out of. And after the after like the first week, I'm like, this is actually like pretty. I'm not, you know, I don't have my own biohacking barn, but I have my own space where I can cook my own meals. I can do like ice baths daily, and I have like, like those kind of things. So it was like 90 percent of like my perfect day in that sense. Cool. But it's because I got clear on it initially. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, that's why I fundamentally believe the power of the exercise. And I'm, I've had a lot of friends, especially like in transition. And that's the one thing that breaks my heart. It's friends that are in transition and are lost Telling and me, don't man. know what yeah. to do next and all that kind of stuff. So it was a really Im- impactful exercise for me. And there's some different kind of views and resources that you'll find online. I haven't found any of that are all that great. But I have a, a structured like list of questions that I ask myself and, and, and how to do the exercise. So I'll be working on that hopefully soon. And Did you go really through that soon. when you were in transition? Is that why you empathize so much with guys that are kind of lost and oh, trying to yeah. figure out their way? Yeah. I mean, I, I, thankfully, I was only lost for a short period of time. Actually, I, that's a lie on some level. Like I was, even though I was still in a business at one point in time, yeah. the minute I unconsciously decided to detach, I was lost, right? So even though I still had money coming in, I yeah. still had a team, and I wasn't officially like free, I was still at that point done. And then, But thankfully, once I got out of that business, I, I stumbled into Mastermind Talks rather quickly, mm. so that worked out. So all this came from partnerships in yeah. this, this conversation. So I steered it in the wrong direction, so feel free to take, <laughs> take the reins again. See, now you know why I can't deal with partnerships. I don't like rules or yeah. like barriers so somebody says I'll talk about this I'm like ah, we'll talk about that no, for a little I'll bit I'll talk about whatever I want to talk about let's go in my direction <laughs> and actually it's <laughs> it's interesting what Jason said because vision might change from year to year because it's a technology whatever but what really drives the vision is values right what really yeah. drives the perfect day is the values and having a really strong value fit is cannot be overstated in in any kind of partnership, be it marriage or a business partnership or whatever. Even with employees that you're, especially like long kind of core team that you're looking to build, like that kind of fit, like it's, it's so important to have that because if you do, then everything seems like magic, and if it don't, then everything seems like hitting your head against the wall and and trying to to get a different result. So. What's been the biggest struggle for you, for you in building a team? Have, have you had people not buy into the vision necessarily? And that's that's. I think finding tension. the people in... in like uh, the, the coolest thing about business is like... Uh, the thing I really love about business is like... There's so much to fucking learn. And you can't even kid yourself that you're, and like you're, you're half decent. <laughs> you can't. Because like, there's so many people doing it way better than okay. you are. Yep. In so many different industries that... It's what's going on. All right, we got some pictures taken. (laughs) (laughs) The point I'm trying to make is finding great people is actually my currently my biggest challenge is finding the right people to to really kind of move the company to the next level. I think the. We mentioned about, I talked about this before. Yeah. Doing things solo will only get you so far. Right. Building, building a great team is a is a learning curve for me. And if I were to drop a word, it would be a it would it feels excruciating. But hey, what's uh, what's specifically is it is it just the hiring process? Is it it's, knowing what to look for? It's just like dating, but it's a lot more intense because you're looking for a specific kind of fit, and it and you know this this fit is going to make a huge difference in the organization. Yeah, and. There's, you have a pretty sharp kind of get to know each other situation, yep. and it takes a while for you know. It's sometimes you know early that it's not something that you want to do, and it's something you don't want to have on the team. Right. And sometimes it takes a little later, but until you find it, it's excruciating. And that's to me the way it should be because if you care about something, Jason, I don't know if you're like me in this respect, but you always hear hire slow, fire fast. 
<laughs> but I, f- I just think hiring slow. So, that's, yeah, you want to find the right fit, but you also want to find somebody now. So it's like really, for me, that's always, it's, just, it's a tough challenge. Well, that's why I would like hire a UJ in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because he gets exactly. like such a chubby over <laughs> hiring people and digging into their personalities right, right. and like doing hours upon hours of interviews and my eyes just like gloss over I'm like if you I don't know I'm like do I like you like would, we, would I take you out for dinner if yeah. so then you're probably hired so my my philosophy historically is hire fast and fire slow <laughs> and it doesn't work at all um, <laughs> God knows how many people I've kept on payroll that I should have let go. <laughs> the hundreds of thousands of dollars I have in my bank account now. So I am not. Yeah, I'm definitely not. I'm a model, model entrepreneur as far as what not to do. So when it comes to like hiring, and I even like when Yuji gets people, he gets so. Like, hires people. He gets so excited. Like, so, so excited. Like, that's what he was, like, built to do. Yeah. Just not my DNA. Again, back to partnerships. Again, I'm not totally against it. I probably wouldn't have a partnership in Mastermind Talks because I care too deeply about it. Yeah. And that makes sense. also the one thing, I, I definitely have some control issues. Mm. And also control in, like, if something goes wrong, I want to take full responsibility. Yeah. And I don't want to ever have to, like, be like, oh, it was my partner's fault. Right. So, like, yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine. I have my Mastermind Talks and those kind of things. But I definitely would be open to partnerships outside of that and i think that puts me in a better headspace as well when it comes to like looking at partnerships and possible opportunities yeah. but i'd find if i had somebody like uj it would be it would be great because uj is also this also matters as well uj really operates the business like his business with right. alex he does like the bulk of the work sure. and, the, and alex is is great and he's involved but that similar to alex that's not his nest egg like yeah. that's yeah. like he has luxy hair and yeah. his other brand and stuff like that which is his day-to-day right. so I don't know, like, the one thing, and this this is, I know Chris doesn't have a headset, but, like, I think it, the dynamic definitely changes as well when both partners, it's 100% of their focus. Like, the communication change, like, it yeah. just, I, I could just see yeah. it might be much more, because I, if I wasn't fully committed to a business and somebody wants to take it in a different direction or try different things, I'd be much more open to it as opposed to, like, if it's my right. baby. Right. So, but yeah, I'd totally be open to partnerships and on some level and finding somebody like a UJ who is complimentary, because yeah. yeah. now I do know my strengths and weaknesses. Back then, I... I didn't. I mean, once you have that that awareness, it, it definitely changes a lot of things. One thing, one thing I ran into with my last partnership is I felt it really. It, it was my own. It was my own fault. It had nothing to do with my partner, but it, I felt it was limiting my growth because I'd find myself relying on him for a lot of things that I could make. I could easily make the decision for, but I'd find myself just confirming my own beliefs with him. Like I'd make a decision and be like, "Don't you agree?" or "Don't you think so?" Yeah, and I would. I would find myself really kind of capping myself in terms of decision-making ability. I had that with a, with a mentor. Well, my most recent mentor, I had a good, very solid mentor for about two years. And then I realized, like, I take everything he says as, like, and I make decisions. Like, I, I barely make decisions for myself anymore. Yeah. And I was always looking for him to, like, give me confirmation. Totally. So I had to kind of cut that mentorship short because of that because I'm like I'm losing my own voice yeah. in my own business and that's props because that's not always very easy to recognize either yeah. to have the enough enough awareness to realize that yeah I'm just I'm relying on somebody else too, too much and not my own thoughts and vision and goals I think like a fundamental thing when it comes to relationships partnerships even teams is respect and in respect not just for where the other person's coming from but also their skill set because in even in, in teams like sometimes someone come to come to me and they, they want to run a decision by me and they're like you know what do you think we should do i'm like what do you think we should do like you, that's your job right yep. walk me through your decision making process and i'll tell you if i see any holes in it and so i want to respect them for their side of the exp- expertise like i want to like 
I, that's why people I want to have lots of people around me I respect a ton there's some really good research that is done in relationships by a man named John Gobman the guy who like essentially predicts divorce with like 90 plus percent accuracy oh. um, he was mentioned in Malcolm Gladwell's Blink the book he mentions that as one of the top criterion for long term relationships is respect how much you respect this person and, and how well does again uh, your skill sets complement each other not to, to harp on a point but it's really really important if you have the same skill sets it's oh, not going to work I actually have a, a knowledge bomb uh oh <laughs> drum roll please it's not my knowledge bomb but <laughs> this is actually given to me by Shaw Wasman she actually said it at Master My Talks here one that to never get into a partnership with somebody you wouldn't have over to your house for the weekend probably two two three years ago I almost got into a, a partnership with somebody who on the surface level like it sounded like it would be great and we knew each other for a little bit so just all the stars were aligned and oddly enough we came to the Bahamas and we were here for three, four days together. And at the end, and we stayed in like the same villa or whatever. Mm. And after like 36 hours, I wanted to kill him. Like, absolutely <laughs> kill him. And then everything just went downhill from there. And I'm like, that was Jason's such a... a very a- nonviolent guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that was such a... It's just a, a simple kind of test yeah. that, like, as a person, I couldn't stand them. And oh. that come, ties into respect on some level. Yeah. So, because I don't think I've ever respected my past partners. Or <laughs> I also put them on pedestals. I didn't know them well enough that mm-hmm. I put them on pedestals. And then you start to see, you know, the, the, the chinks in their armor over the long term. You're like, what the hell did I do partnering with this guy? Because I thought he was better than at this. Or right. I thought he was this person he's not. Or those kind of things. So, I think it's your decision if you yeah, follow sure. through with it, right? There's a lot of, like snake oil salesmen's out there and then you don't have to put them on a pedestal I think I just I was very young and naive in my initial partnerships because when you first meet somebody you're like oh my god this person's amazing so smart and you kind of overestimate their value and maybe underestimate yours so you think it's a great deal to partner with them and then over time you get to know them better and you're like if you rush into a partnership yeah they're easy to get into and hard to get out of. Totally. So that's very similar to the hiring process, but obviously it needs to be taken with more care because yeah. your whole livelihood could be wiped out because of it. But you know, one thing UJ is phenomenal at is communication and having hard conversations. Like yeah. he will not shy away. Getting back to the whole robotic thing, <laughs> and, and UJ, he will not shy away from. I don't. I don't know if he. How does that anything to do with robotic? Because I don't think you have empathy to like how other people feel. I'm like maybe overly empathetic that I'm like I don't want to hurt this person's feelings, and like UJ's like he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. So what is this guy doing yeah. the right hand side? He almost went off the road on the right hand side. Sorry for so for context, we're following this guy with a bunch of kayaks, and he's yeah. Anyways. <laughs> So obviously apologies for that abrupt ending, but just to make it simple, I'll link to everyone's social media on the show notes page and the best ways to get in touch with each person. And of course, all the links and resources we discuss can be found at the page created especially for this episode. That's going to be at failon.com slash zero one two. And next episode, I'm going to be sitting down with Andy Drish in Boulder, Colorado. Andy is the co-founder of the foundation. And they help aspiring entrepreneurs create software businesses without any idea or investing any money. He's an amazing dude. Tons of great insight. Make sure to listen in. And as I continue to build out this project with the simple goal of getting people to once and for all decide they're going to fail their way to creating an inspired life. If you could do one thing to support the cause, I'd be more than grateful. When you click the subscribe button and leave a rating and quick review, this allows the podcast simply to be visible to more people. To rate and review the podcast, just visit failon.com slash iTunes or failon.com slash Stitcher. 
That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.